My name is Kevin Gandy. I'm excited to be with you guys here at Hillside. It was fun to be with you in July, and you guys are such an incredible community. I love getting to hang out with you guys here. The intentionality in this room is off the charts, and so uh, thanks for inviting me into this conversation today. I've enjoyed uh, getting to chat with some of you over some of the breakouts and things, and hopefully you've had a great conference. Um, Hey, I don't know how many of you remember kindergarten. If you remember kindergarten, raise your hand. Okay, there's actually quite a few hands in this room. That was a, that was a long uh, way back for some of you. For those of us, uh, it was just yesterday. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so kindergarten, right? So remember uh, kindergarten, what's the best part of being in kindergarten? Nap time. I heard snacks. Uh, play time. Yep. And I don't know about you, but I enjoyed show and tell. Yeah, right? So show and tell. How many of you remember doing show and tell in kindergarten? Okay. All right. So show and tell. This that time where you get to bring something from home and you get to kind of show it off and you get to tell the class about some ridiculous item that you bring from your class. So I just want you to imagine, you know, summer is coming to an end. Very sad, I know. But, uh, but as we think about the summer coming to a close and a lot of you have kids going back off to school or, or you, you have grandkids going off to school or you know kids that are going back to school or you are going back to school, we're in that kind of back to school mode. So imagine that all of us are in kindergarten, right? So we have to kind of jump into our little time machine, and if we were to flip back all the way to kindergarten, imagine that you're sitting in kindergarten, and we're all hanging out here today, and, I, and I'll just play the role of the teacher, right, and, and first up, we have, we have Pastor Pete, and Pastor Pete, you know, he's been on this nice uh, sabbatical all summer, just kind of, you know, lounging by the pool, and <laughs> doing absolutely nothing, you know, and reading for, you know, sermon prep, and <laughs> I'm sure doing some amazing things, right? But Pastor Pete, he comes to show and tell in class and he brings a praying mantis. Right? Imagine that Pastor Pete brings a praying mantis and of course everyone's like, ooh, ah, right? Because I mean, how many praying mantises do you see in the wild every day, right? So Pastor Pete, you know, it's been really hot in the summer here, so he's been playing outside and uh, so he brings his praying mantis. And well, imagine that, you know, then all the girls in the classroom is trying to get Pastor Pete's number because they really like the praying mantis as well. And so they think he's just the coolest guy in the classroom, right? So yeah, Pastor Pete. Well, then next up is, is Pastor Dave. And Pastor Dave, you know, he's a little bit more bougie, so he actually... <laughs> He, he spends his summer in seaside Florida, right? And, uh, and so he's more of like a Destin kind of guy. And so he's like, you know, Past, Pastor Pete, that was great. I'm so glad you, you spent time in your backyard and on your sabbatical. But I went, you know, and, and I was with the family out in Florida and I went swimming with dolphins. And, and so he brings seashells back from the Florida coast. And of course, everyone's like, wow, that's amazing because, you know, there's no seashells in Texas because we have... Uh, Gal- Galveston, you know, like, is that really, is that really even a beach? So everyone's like ooing and aahing Pastor Dave, right? Because he went to Florida. So now, you know, Pastor Pete might have been a, a great class president, but Pastor Dave is now definitely going to be on top. Pastor Pete's probably moved more to VP level. So then Pastor Daniel comes up and Pastor Daniel, he went out to Pennsylvania and he went to the Hershey factory, right? Now, so of course, what do you bring back from the Hershey factory? chocolates. And so Pastor Daniel brings back and and is passing out chocolate in class. And of course, now everyone's like, wow, this is amazing because it's like Willy Wonka and, you know, and we get to eat chocolate. And that praying mantis is just like, uh, you know, compared to the 
to the chocolate. So if Pastor Pete's now maybe a good Secretary of State and Pastor, Pastor Davis maybe is now the VP and Pastor Daniel is definitely now King of the Hill in our kindergarten class. Now imagine that you are the next one up. Imagine that the teacher says, all right, what did you bring to show and tell today? And imagine that you brought a TV remote because you spent the summer in front of the TV watching Netflix. And honestly, I wouldn't blame you because it's been like 120 degrees in Texas all summer. So I don't know about you, but when I've been in town, I've been in my nice air conditioning apartment and watching TV and and chilling out all summer, right? But imagine that you brought your TV remote. And you, and, and, you know, even though your mom wanted to sign you up for all the baseball camps and everything and the football camps and, and the ballet recitals and all of the, like, extracurricular camps and sent, well, tried to send you to Pine Cove and all those things, imagine that you brought a TV remote because you wanted to spend the summer vegging out. And, of course, you have that teacher that's, like, kind of playing it cool, right? So, you know, they know how to handle these situations because they go, yeah, that's amazing. You got to watch all sorts of shows, and they really draw it up, you know? But Pastor Daniel's back there biting his nails just going, you know, it's just a lousy show and tell, right? Like, <laughs> I brought chocolate. You brought a TV remote, right? What did you really do with your life? Well, I just want us to kind of think about this because a few years from now, not very long from today, hopefully, many of us are going to end up in the kingdom of heaven, and our, and our teacher is going to be God, and God's going to have a big sort of rug on the floor, and he's going to gather us all together, and he's going to say, hey, all right, let's, let's little play a little game of show and tell. And there's going to be people that, that tell amazing stories of, of having amazing families and amazing careers and amazing lives, and, and God's going to cheer for those things. And there's going to be the people that, that then go on and say, you know what, I started serving at, at Hillside as a volunteer, I started serving in kids ministry and then I got a little taste for ministry and then I became a team leader and then maybe I went into ministry myself and people are going to definitely be cheering on the carpet for for the leaders who have been serving in ministry over the course of their lives. And there's going to be people that tell amazing stories of all the things that they've done over the course of of their life and there's also going to be people that come to heaven with a TV remote. And you know what God's going to say to people who have a TV remote in their hand when they arrive at show and tell in heaven? What do you think he's going to say? If you had to guess. This is a talkback session. (laughs) Are we alive out there? (laughs) I think he's going to say, okay, all right, welcome here. You belong here, right? If a person is a follower of Jesus and they just spent their life with the TV remote, it doesn't make them no longer a believer in Jesus, right? Jesus is still going to love them. Jesus is still going to accept them. He's still going to say, you know what? I'm glad that you are here. But what my hope is for you guys is that when you get to heaven in that day, is that you won't have spent your life bringing a TV remote to the show and tell in heaven. And yet when we think about Christians all around the world, so many Christians are planning on doing this because they're just sort of saying yes to Jesus and then they're just going about their everyday lives and they are, their lives aren't actually showing anybody towards Jesus. They're not teaching anybody about Jesus. They're not serving in any capacity. They're not giving back in any capacity. They're not even necessarily growing in any capacity because their life is just like, just vegging out. And I think that when we get to heaven, that Jesus is going to say, you know, you only had one summer vacation. And for some people, he's going to say, I'm glad you didn't waste it. I'm glad that you served for me. If there's nothing else to you that you don't remember from my talk today is that you get one summer vacation over the course of your life. Don't waste it. 
Today, we're going to look at a passage of scripture from the New Testament. We're going to look at Ephesians chapter 3. So the scripture is going to be up on the screen, but if you have a Bible or a Bible app, I would encourage you to turn there, Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul. Many of us know Paul, obviously uh, a guy who, who was, was once a persecutor of Christians, then was converted and became a follower of Jesus and went off to plant churches and to create leaders like many of you guys. And Paul writes a letter to the church in Ephesus. And today we're going to actually see this particular text because Paul does, he, he has several themes in this text, but one of the biggest ones is that we aren't just adopted by God, but specifically chosen by God. I'm going to say that again because it's important. The theme that we're going to look at in Ephesians is not that we're not just adopted by God, but that we are specifically chosen by God. Everyone turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor. That was like a neighbor, right? No, everyone turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you are chosen. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, neighbor, you are chosen. You are chosen by God. And today we're going to look at how we are chosen by God. And we're going to look at it through Ephesians 3. If you're sitting in this room here today, I want you to know that you're a leader. Some of you know that you're a leader. Some of you were just signed up by someone to come to this conference. And maybe you're like, I have no idea why I'm here. I just, I, I just thought it'd be cool. I came for the free lunch and the t-shirt, right? Or maybe you're like, you know what? I'm just, I'm just a parking lot volunteer. Or I'm just a kids ministry leader. No, you are a leader, right? It's really easy for us, for us to give credit to Pastor Pete and Pastor Dave and Pastor Daniel and the other pastors and staff at the church, but you guys are the reason why the church continues to grow and to thrive and to show people towards Jesus. It's because of you being called into leadership. And so I want you to know that you are leaders. And today, as we think about leadership, no matter where you serve, whether you're serving in a really small capacity or a really big capacity, God is calling you into leadership, and today we're going to look at the three C's of Christian leadership. Three C's of Christian leadership. Number one, calling. Number two, commitment. And number three, commandment. Today we're going to look at three C's of Christian leadership. Calling, commitment, and commandment. Three C's of Christian leadership. But before we open up Ephesians 3, let's pray. Lord God, as we open up our text this morning, may we gratefully receive it. May we clearly understand it, and may we faithfully apply it to our lives. For Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. All right, C number one. Everyone say calling. 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 All right, so let's say calling. Ephesians 3, starting in verse 14, this is the word of the Lord. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. Who's I in this passage? Paul, right? Good job. From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I, Paul, pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Paul's writing to the church and he's saying, I, I want you to know that God in heaven strengthens you, gives you Power. Here the Greek translate directly. May you be strong. Some of us don't always feel strong. There's days when I woke up, wake up, like today, after doing two weeks of youth ministry camp where I can barely walk because 
you know, I'm old now and teenagers are a lot of work. Um, but th- there's some days I wake up and don't feel strong, right? Some days maybe you wake up and don't feel strong. But God is calling us to be strong. It's the same word here in Greek that was used to describe Jesus growing up in Luke 2.40. When Luke says he grew and he became strong. Just as Jesus is strong, so are you. And this is an amazing fact for us as leaders, to know that we are called to be strong. Let's continue in verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know that this love may surpass knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. May you have the strength to receive the fullness of God. That's the very first C of Christian leadership, is to recognize that we are called in Jesus to be strong in the power and the blood of Christ. And when we are called to that, we receive that, we claim that, and we proclaim it in our lives and in our ministries. So may you have the strength to receive that love of Christ and that knowledge of the scriptures. Paul prays that because we've been adopted, we're not just wandering around doing our own thing, but we are called for a particular purpose, and it's for our life in ministry. A lot of times we think pastors are the ones who are doing life in ministry. Wrong. That's you. You guys are doing ministry. Whether you're, you're filtering in cars in the parking lot or teaching third graders about Jesus or hanging out with ridiculous, stinky, smelly middle schoolers or you're cleaning or you're on the security team or on the health team or, or the counseling team, you are doing ministry and that's what you're called to do. And Paul says in verse 20, he gives us a benediction. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within you, to him be glory in the church and in Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Paul gives us a benediction here because he knows that we need it. I want to just consider here, he talks about the word for church. You guys see that in verse 21? To him be glory in the church. Well, this actually comes from a Greek word called ekklesia. And ekklesia is basically mean a, a gathering. But when we actually go back to what, what Paul would have been writing in Greek, we actually see that this is a slightly different connotation. Church in this connotation is actually means to be called out. Uh, Out in Greek is ek, and call is kaleo. And so to be called out is what it means to be the church, according to Paul. And today we think of church as saying a nice fancy building. You guys have amazing facilities here. It's actually incredible to walk into this building and to see all that you have a hillside. But that's not the church. The church is a group of people that are calling out to the world some sort of truth. Back in the day, you would have people that would stand on a watchtower and and they would stand up and and, and they would have the village behind them and the fields in front of them and, and they would look for enemy armies. And the people on the watchtower, when they see the enemy army coming, they would call out Kaleo as they would go back and they would say, we need to prepare, we need to get ready, we need to rally the troops, we need to get the weapons, we need to get the guns, we need to get all the things because the enemy is coming. And that's what it means to be the church. 
When we are called out as men and women found in Jesus Christ because the world needs truth. I don't know about you, but there's people all around me on a regular basis that just live for themselves and live for this world. And we have the opportunity in Jesus' name made strong in his blood and in his body to proclaim something different to them. And I challenge you as Christian leaders in this room to live in that calling, to actually be the sort of leaders that call out to the world that God is calling us to something greater than living for ourselves. That calling is to live for Jesus. And so the first C of Christian leadership is calling because we are called not just to live into our faith, but also to help others see their faith as well. Called out because he saved us from death. Called out because life is more important than watching TV. There's a greater purpose to us. So what are you called to in your life and ministry? You guys serve in a lot of different ways. I want you to consider this question. What are you called to in your life and ministry? Maybe you already have a place to serve here at Hillside. Maybe you're exploring all the different ways to serve here at Hillside. But God is calling you to something. He's calling you to something. And I challenge you to consider what that is, whether you know it or not. What are you called to in your life and ministry for 22 and 23? Calling. Here at Hillside, we're fully expecting that God is going to do big things, big things for the kingdom, and it starts with us. The second C is commitment. Everyone say commitment. 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 So what, are we, what do we need to be committed to as Christian leaders here at Hillside? We recognize that we've been called into ministry, and we recognize that we have a commitment to something in particular. So let's keep reading in Ephesians 4 as Paul tells us what that is. For one, Paul says, as a prisoner for the Lord, Paul's in prison, and he says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Remember that calling part that we talked about a second ago? You have received a calling, all right? We can't emphasize this enough. You have received the calling, and now Paul says, live into that, live worthy of that. He doesn't just urge us to do that. He says, I stand beside you to live a life worthy of your calling, right? He's the guy on the watchtower calling you out in this situation. Ephesians 4, 2 says, be completely humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all, through all, and in all. And Jesus is in you, through you, and with you. Uh, if, there, if you have a pen or some way to highlight in your Bible, I would encourage you to highlight humble. Because that's the first thing he says. He says it starts with humility. When we come to show and tell right? We, we talk about our ministry. We talk about our lives. But we don't brag about it, right? There's a big distinction here. Humility comes first. At show and tell, we let them cheer for us, but we don't cheer for ourselves. We are to live lives worthy of, of the call, to live acknowledging that rather than pointing to ourselves, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's not about hillside. It's about Jesus. And that's why we come to serve here at Hillside, because we're called to it, 
And we need to be committed to it as well in humility, in patience, and in love. And that's what it means to have a grown-up faith. So many Christians say yes to Jesus and then they just sort of float through their lives. They're not actually committed to anything. They've been called to Jesus and then they stop there. So we have to actually move past our calling into commitments. And Paul says we are to be committed to one body, one spirit. And so together we serve, whether you're serving in kids or students or the security team or the hospitality team or, or, or you're a small group leader or wherever it is that you serve, we all serve on the same team. We're not different silos. We're not different departments. We're not different ministries. We're all one. And so I encourage you to encourage one another, right? And to be committed to helping your fellow servants, your fellow leaders to live a life worthy of the calling that God has called us to. Today, Christians are often more committed to our culture than they are to the scriptures. But that's, that's the problem with this is that, uh, that, you know, a lot of times we think of non-Christians as sort of the thing that we're working against. We're not, we're not working against non-Christians. What we're really struggling against in the church today is Christians who are just sort of half committed. I think half in Christians are far more difficult of a thing to work against than non-Christians. Non-Christians are easy. You just tell them about Jesus. You have conversation about life. But Christians who are only half committed to Christianity and, and they spend most of their time just living for themselves, they like to say yes to Jesus, but they also want to say yes to themselves. I'd say that's a far bigger issue in the church today than anything else. Jesus, Jesus says, you know what? Christian leaders who are only halfway in, that's not living a life worthy of the calling. And so when we are called to Christian leadership, we're not just called into Jesus, but we're asked to be committed to the kingdom of God. And so what are you committed to here? I would challenge you to be committed to faithful daily study an examination of your own life. That's what Christian leaders do. They wake up in the morning and they say, how can I live more for Jesus today? I'm not always the best at this, but one thing I like to do is when I, when I jump in the shower in the morning is I just like to say, Jesus, what it is for you today, that's what I'll do. Jesus, put my feet on your path today. Jesus, do something with me today. I have to force myself to reorient that today I'm not gonna live for Kevin, I'm going to live for Christ. That's what Christian leaders do. They're not just called, but they're also committed. And that brings us to the third C, and that is commandment. Ephesians 4.11, as we continue, says, Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The word mature here is a really important one to circle. The word mature to Paul, he says, you know what, there's, there's several commandments here. Teach truth, love others, grow in unity, live into your calling. But what is the end result of that? It's, oh, can we go back a slide? Maturity. These things build and build and build and build until we reach maturity. That is what the Christian life looks like. There's, there are stages of faith. Believing in Jesus isn't the biggest step. Jesus, believing in Jesus isn't the final step. 
It's the first step. Believing and saying yes to Jesus is the first step. Saying that, yes, Jesus died for me, but we don't just sign up our names below the Apostles' Creed and go, all right, and then we wait for the train to arrive at the station to take us into heaven. That's not how it works. We actually have to allow God to move through our life, to move in our life, to help us grow deeper in our faith. And that's the commandment that Jesus says, is we are working towards maturity. A lot of times we get so caught up in how many, how many things we have to do or how many lessons we have to prep or, 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 or what we're going to teach this week, right? Or I, I don't know if, you, if you're a small group leader, you, you might get bogged down in, in the questions you're going to ask your group and the things you're going to teach or in women's ministry, all the events you got to plan or in student ministry, all of the, all of the things you got to do and all the games you got to prep. And just sometimes we can get so bogged down in the details that we forget that the, com- that the commandment for our life is to become mature in the fullness of Jesus and to bring others with us on the journey. When we learn to surrender ourselves to become not the center of our universe, but to let Jesus be the center, we realize that we gain humility. And eventually, over the course of our lives, when we do this faithfully day in and day out, we receive maturity, calling, commitment and commandments. Do you remember that, uh, the, the big rug I was talking about at the beginning, the show and tell rug? One day we're going to be in heaven and there's going to be people there that said, you know what, I was, I was faithful to my family and people are going to cheer. There's gonna be people say, you know what, I was faithful at, at doing what God called me to do and people are going to cheer. There are gonna be people that say, you know what, I led a small group for years and we're going to cheer. There's going to be people that served in all sorts of different capacities around the church and we're going to cheer. I hope that when you, when you get to the big rug in heaven, that you won't just have a TV remote in your hand. That you'll have said, you know what? I tried to live my, wife, my life worthy of the calling to be committed to the unity of the church and to live into the commandment to help people become disciples of Jesus to help others mature in their faith. But that starts with Jesus and flows through you today. I know that some of you may be serving here a long time. Others of you, maybe this is the very first time that you've ever served at Hillside. If there's anything that I would challenge you as we wrap up our day today at the Ascend Conference is to remember that you are called to this, that Jesus wants you to be committed to serving and where he has placed you, And he's commanding you to not only grow in your own faith, but to help others reach the maturity that's found in Jesus. This starts with you. This starts with your willingness to stand up and say, I'm going to serve here at Hillside. And I'm going to live into that calling. And I'm going to serve faithfully where God has placed me. So I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for you as you think about serving in this next year. And I hope that you'll let God fill you up to encourage you to to challenge you and to help you become more strong and obedient as a leader yourself. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time that we have together. We thank you for this church. Lord, we thank you that Jesus, your son has called us. Lord, we're grateful for the fact that Jesus died and resurrected so that we could say that we could be adopted as children of the King. Lord, we pray that we would give our best in serving where you have called us to serve. 
Lord, may this not be about us. May this not be about me. May this be about you. Lord, may everything that we do and wherever we are called to serve here at Hillside, may it be for the purpose of helping make disciples of Jesus Christ. Lord, may you call us closer to yourself, not only today and tomorrow, but for the rest of our lives. May you strengthen us for a commitment to helping others know you. And may, Lord, we live into the commandments, become mature in our faith, to not just sit back and relax and hope for the best but to remember that, Lord, you are calling us to grow in the depth of our faith and in the wisdom and the maturity of your spirit. And so, Lord, help us, fill us, move in us. And, Lord, may big things happen here at Hillside this year because men and women, like the ones sitting in this room today, stood up and said, we are here to serve. God, may you multiply our efforts and may you make disciples for your kingdom. In the name of our Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord.